Well, I've never preached a sermon on one leg. Let's see how this goes. Tyler, don't go anywhere. I might need your help. Don't worry, don't worry. (laughs) If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, that verse that was read to us by our own Gil Royal. That which is a part of this series, Gratitude, and that which is known in Christendom as the Epistle of Joy. Paul writes with great enthusiasm to a church that he loved so much, but not only that, he is giving them key instructions for how to carry on. For Paul will soon see the end of his life, and he, through this epistle, is giving them orientation for what Christian life will look like after his earthly departure. It is to be a great trial for Paul. Not only that he will soon stand trial before Caesar, but moreover, he has to deal and grapple with his own mortality. Yet, in this trial, Paul is grateful. Gratitude, my friends, is what enables all of us, you and me, to draw a richness into our lives. It enables us to connect pieces and chapters of our life which would otherwise stand disconnected. It allows us to connect our past, our present, and our future. And perhaps there's no greater example of that than an actual bridge, a bridge that gratitude can build in our spiritual lives, a bridge that will make our lives, as the meditation reads, become but one overarching story of God's mercy and grace. Without this bridge, without gratitude, you and I cannot reach the fulfillment of who Christ calls us to be. We cannot have the different chapters of our lives connected. We become desperate. We become limited in our growth. Perhaps there's no greater example of this than an actual bridge that was built in the city of San Francisco. You might know it quite often because it is the most photographed bridge in the entire world. Can you guess which bridge I'm talking about? The Golden Gate Bridge, which construction began in 1933 under Joseph Strauss, who was the lead architect and engineer. San Francisco in 1920 was the largest metropolitan area, which was still largely based upon a ferry system. Those who wanted to cross the bay to go to Oakland or nearby Marin County had to take a boat. And as a result, the city's growth had stagnated. It needed a bridge, but who would build such an amazing structure? Who would be able to build a structure that literally spanned the three-mile gap between the shores of San Francisco and Marin County? Who could dare build something amidst the heavy fog that settled in that area? Who could build something amidst the awful heights beneath the water below and the horrible winds that would pass through there? It would be Strauss. And four years after the completion of this bridge, they had an inauguration. 
wherein 200,000 people became the first to cross the bridge by foot. At that inauguration, Strauss had the following to say in way of a poem. It's entitled, At Last. It reads, At last the mighty task is done. Resplendent in the western sun, the bridge looms mountain high. Its titan piers grip ocean floor. Its great still arms link shore to shore. Its towers pierce the sky. Beautiful words, but more important is the point at hand. Without a bridge, the city of San Francisco would not have continued to grow and be the bustling metropolis we know today. And without a bridge of gratitude that connects us to our past and our present and our future, you and I will likewise stagnate. For that reason, we must be practitioners of gratitude and not just merely say thanks with our mouth. This is where Paul comes in. In this passage in chapter 3, he talks poignantly about his past as a Jew who was a Pharisee born as a Hebrew of Hebrews. He reflects on his present. Though he is imprisoned, he is pouring his heart out to the church he loved. And he looks also to the future with a delight that he knows will soon end. He also is one who is giving instructions to the church that he loves, professing that somehow he will participate in the resurrection of the dead, so he presses on. Paul connects past, present, and future with gratitude. And as a result, he has peace with his past. He has purpose in his present. He has hope for his future And you can too. Looking in your scripture today, I want you to focus keenly on verses 13 and 14. For in these verses, we will see exactly how Paul has gratitude. In verse 13, Paul says, forgetting what is behind. Paul could spend all of his time living in the past, thinking about the mistakes he made and how he should have done it differently or simply feeling overly confident in the great strides he had made as the greatest missionary pastor in the history of the church. But Paul is not about the past. Like the words of the great bard William Shakespeare, Paul writes that the past is prologue. And this isn't to mean that he is dismissive about his past, nor is it to mean that we are dismissive of our past, whether it was great, good, bad, or indifferent. It means that he trusts in the great redemptive power of God, that power that is able to make all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Just like the anthem the choir sang, it is well in Paul's soul because he has surrendered his past and given it to the trustworthy hands of God and to say, God, I believe and know that you will make all things work for the good. Whether they were mistakes I made, whether they were triumphs I achieved, it's not the past which defines me, but it is the past which I give gratitude for, not because what I have done, but because what are you doing through my past? 
And my friends, that is the first pillar of the bridge that we must build with our gratitude. Thanking God for the past, but not reliving the past. For if you're constantly glancing over your shoulder to what has been, if you're constantly going in reverse, it is impossible for you to go forward in the present. For that reason, Paul writes keenly about that present. A present in his life which is full of purpose. It should be of no surprise to you or me that Paul had a plan. Had a plan of how to execute his abilities effectively, but moreover, he had a plan for how he was to grow in Christ Jesus. You and I should likewise have a plan. And for that reason, in verse 14, Paul says, and straining towards what is ahead. Paul is one who is so inspired by his plan that he's like a Christian athlete. He's reaching with all of his might towards the goals which he still believes are before him. Goals which will change lives in Jesus' name. Goals which will fulfill his heart and others. Paul outlines this plan a little bit more in detail in verse 12, which is preceding. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul's plan consists of the following, and I would beg that our plan must consist of the following too, if we are to have gratitude for the present and moreover, purpose in the present. To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. To participate in his sufferings and somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. I think we can conclude all of these three points of Paul's plan in one summary statement. You and I, dear friends, to live in purpose in this present, to have gratitude for this moment which God has given us, must dedicate ourselves to doing at least one thing daily that we could not do if it were not for the power of God's Holy Spirit. Harkening back to the words of Tiffany Parsons, She and her family began on a great endeavor, something that they alone could not do, but because of God's Holy Spirit, it has prospered into one of the most important pillars of ministry to our homeless and our veterans and those who are seeking higher education. Praise be to God for the fact that they took that moment and they applied the power of God's Holy Spirit. You and I are no different seeking with our eyes, looking at the people that are around us and daring to live with purpose in the pleasant, let's all develop a plan, a plan where we can feel the power of God's resurrection, a plan where we can envelop in the sufferings of Christ and a plan in which we somehow are attaining the resurrection of the dead. The third and final part of this Important gratitude bridge is now that which we have to do with our future. There's oftentimes a lot of worry about our futures. Where shall we go and what shall we do and how shall we eat, Jesus said, but that's not our concern. For look at the birds of the air. They sing their song, they nest in trees, and it doesn't seem that they worry one day about where their next meal will come from. And look at the flowers of the field. Look how beautiful they are. Not even in all of Solomon's splendor. 
Were they at all as beautiful as these flowers, and yet they're here today and gone for tomorrow? Aren't you that much more important in God's heart? God wants us to be set forward with a gratitude in the future because you and I are living into hope for that future. And living into hope means that we are far more than just a pie-in-the-sky theology. It's more than just saying all things are going to be just okay. No, living into hope, dear friends, is as if we are living with the reality that all of God's promises have already come true in the here and now. In that light, let me ask you a question. If you were living in heaven right now, what would your life be like? In heaven, there's no more tears. There's no more pain. In heaven, there's no more worry. In heaven, there's no concern for money or where you get your next meal. In heaven, there is ultimate freedom. In heaven, there is ultimate worship. In heaven, there is ultimate connectivity to you and the others that are there and to God Almighty. How would you live today if you were in heaven? And as you execute those details of what that reality would be like, God looks at you and says, what are you waiting for? Eternal life has already begun. The kingdom of God is making it on earth as it is in heaven already. And you and I, dear friends, are set forward to live and to hope so that we are already experiencing heaven in the here and now. Gratitude, a bridge that builds over our lives an overarching story of God's mercy and grace, connecting our past with our present and our future, infusing peace for our past, purpose for our present, and hope for our future. I hope that you hear me clearly, that in these measures of words that I have but few moments to give them to you. Gratitude is more than just saying thank you. It's living thankfully for past, for present, for future. And knowing that this plan for your life cannot be constructed by your own design. There is an architect who wants to come into your life today and make a masterwork that would make the Golden Gate Bridge pale in comparison. Jesus Christ wants to be the Lord of your hearts and lives today. By saying that he is Lord, that means he is the guy in charge. He calls the shots. He tells you what to do. But moreover, he blesses you in such a way that you cannot help but to live out of the overflow of the gratitude that you have that you are willing now to then give as you have received, that you are willing to follow his instructions to the letter. In that light, I have one application point, which I invite all of you to complete in this week. In addition to reading Philippians as a part of this series, I want every person here to read Matthew 5 through 7 also known as the Sermon of the Mount, the time when Jesus gives us the life instructions that will not only fill your life with gratitude, 
but will connect past, present, and future into one overarching story of God's mercy and grace. My friends, this is the moment for you to take hold of your life, to not keep living in division, to not keep remorsing over your past or wondering about in your future or being fearful of what's to come. No, tonight and today is the time when we are truly in gratitude, ready to do immeasurably more. So now by taking your hymnal and turning to your invitation hymn, I ask everybody to sing with a voice of gratitude as you respond to this message whether it be by singing aloud or praying, whether it's coming forward and talking to our Deacon of the Week in Stacy Lawler, please let us all show God our gratitude for that which he has given us. Hymn number 68, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. <laughs> 